This is no ordinary pod. No ordinary pod. Hey, we get to talk about a bug's win for once. This is no ordinary pod. Cha cha. No ordinary pod. Yes, it is Noah Hemer. Thank you for welcoming us to the Ordinary Pod on the Radio St. Pete Network. I am your co-host, Michael Duggar. Joining me, 7.22 a.m. on Friday morning. Morning after the cannons were fired from afar. Is Noah Hemer. Noah, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Getting ready for uh, a nice, long, busy weekend. Uh, got a lot of great football on Sunday. Not an awesome college football slate, but that's okay. I'm always excited to watch my Huskers play. Uh, got to watch Bucks win last night, so that's going to be fun to talk about for once. Because don't get many weekends, weeks in which we get to talk Bucks victories, especially when that looks so nice. So just can just ready to get rolling with it, you know. Mm-hmm. We're gonna power through this. We're both feeling a little tired. Uh, Noah had a little busier worked busier week than me, as usual. But we'll we'll power through this. Let's start in Tampa. Let's start not in Tampa. Let's start in Carolina, where the Bucks scored a massive road victory over a divisional opponent, twenty to fourteen on the road. And there's a couple. The main takeaway from me with the Tampa Bay Bucks the past. Uh, for the first two weeks of the season has been their improved defensive play and aggressiveness under Todd Bowles. And it's not just the aggressive play calling and the heavy, the more blitzing. Everyone just looks like they know their role. There's the overall talent of the defense looks better. Um, and it's nice to see Vernon Hargraves making plays again. That was one of the things that you discussed is that he needs to show that he can play in this system. And he's, show, he's playing like a first round pick through two games. Through two weeks, he has a pick six in game in the uh, week one. He had twelve tackles last night, including the game-saving tackle on fourth and one from the two-yard line to not Christian McCaffrey out of bounds before he could um, cross line, cross the first down marker to steal the victory. There's a couple different angles. The, the offense simplified the game plan. Just a couple, just what you'd want to see from a road team who. It's going into, I wouldn't say a hostile environment because the lightning and the rain delay took a little steam out of the, the building, in my opinion, watching on TV at least. But this is what you want to see, and this, is, this was a, a very, like a veteran win, in my opinion. So what were your thoughts on the Bucks beating the Panthers? It, Christian McCaffrey just did not get a lot going. He had, I want to say, fifteen or eighteen total touches, uh, sixteen rushes, two catches for a total of sixty-three yards. No, fifty-three yards. Fifty-three yards. He just didn't really get a whole lot going. And neutralizing Christian McCaffrey will neutralize this entire offense. Cam Newton looked awful. I don't know if he's hurt or not. I don't know if the Panthers are hiding how healthy he actually is. He came out and said it doesn't matter how healthy his shoulder or his foot might be. Regard, he just need he can't be playing like that. And I, I agree entirely. He was missing throws to the outside to Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, ones that should be he should be able to make plays. And I think the most disappointing part of it 
for camp in terms of Cam's performance was, yeah, the po- the Bucks pass rush was awesome between Sue, Vey, Nasib, Golston, uh, Shaquille Barrett. That they were getting after it, and they were collapsing the pocket. Cam didn't really have a whole lot to do, but what I would like to see Cam do is get outside the pocket a little bit and make something happen. But he just was a statue there. He was like Tom Brady in the pocket, just kind of taking just taking the beating. So, and I think a lot of that goes to, this is what the Bucks secondary, secondary has lacked for so long. They've been one of the worst secondaries. Like, we haven't been able to defend the pass for so many years. And now we have a pass rush to kind of take, to alleviate some of that pressure that's been put on that secondary. I Shaquille Barrett's playing, like, how did he ever not start in Denver? But that's because he's playing behind Nick Chubb and Von Miller. So it's be- he's just taking advantage of his opportunities. We love that signing. I love that signing. I was very excited. I was like, that's a legitimate pass rusher that can play in a 3-4. We did not have a true, like, JPP, not a true, like, 3-4 type of guy that could that would have played, assuming, like, if he would have stayed healthy. But Shaquille Barrett knows what he's doing in a 3-4. And he had two sacks last night. Brings his total up to three sacks for the season. And to quickly t- harp on the Cam Newton lack of accuracy with the, with the ball, here's just a couple numbers. He was 25 of 51 last night. He had 15 off-target throws. Ten were overthrown, five were underthrown. That's the most since um, Chicago's Mitchell Trubisky in Week 7 of last season. Um... 60, he completed 61% of his passes to receivers with three-plus yards of separation. That is terrible. He was 0 for 10 when under duress, got sacked three times. So the reason that I was out on the Panthers this year, besides getting my heart broken last year, was the, the injury history on Cam's piling up. Yes, his shoulder, he had a full camp, a full summer of throwing, but then he gets his foot injured. And Cam has never been the most accurate quarterback. No one ever loved Cam Newton, and, and he was never dominant because of his arm. It was, the mi- it was the mix of the running game and the passing game where he would dominate and where he carried this offense. Now it's turned to a Christian McCaffrey-based offense, and that's what moves the needle for them. But when you shut down Christian McCaffrey, like you said, as the Bucks did, Literally, every time a cat had the ball, you saw two, three bucks flying to him. It was very impressive. We haven't seen this type of gang tackling in, from a Tampa side of things in a long time. And this was with Devin White leaving the game in the first quarter with the knee injury. And he had a Kevin Minter come in and step in and make plays. He had an interception call back for a, a very bad defense, um, defensive holding call. But Cam does not look right. And if that foot is really bothering him, limiting his rushing attempts, which he only had one last week, I mean one last night, this this Carolina team is not going to go anywhere fast. So what – I know we want to talk about the Bucks' offense, but the main story of this is how bad the Panthers' offense looked because it's it was very glaring. So what do you – how would you go about not fixing all the issues of Carolina because their O-line still a problem? They, their young receivers have drops, and yes, they create separation, but Greg Olson was the leading receiver, had over 100 yards. So what is 
the formula? What is the? How would you go about fixing this Carolina offense? I guess you just need to start spreading it out and running quick hitters. That's I think that's what I would do because it seemed to let me ask you this: Did it seem like Cam Newton was under center too much last night? Is that something that you noticed? I feel like the play calling was extremely predictable. Where if they were under center, it was a run, and if they were in shotgun, it was it was I mean it was a pass. And I know that sounds stupid but we see we saw the success last week of like Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott with the zone read out of shot the play action out of shock on the effectiveness we're not seeing that from the Panthers play calling that's probably my main area of concern it just seems to cam's getting no help in terms of schematics from a schematic standpoint let me ask you this question real quick so if you had a six foot six, two hundred sixty pound quarterback who is a freak of nature in terms of what he can do running the ball, and you had fourth and one with the game on the line. Oh, would you do some semblance of a play you did last week with putting Christian McCaffrey at quarterback? Except instead of doing a read option, which was extremely successful with Cam, with McCaffrey taking the snap and 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 reading the defense with Cam being running back, or would you? Would you do a fake reverse Jets wildcat sweep to the weak side with 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 your running back. It, I I don't know that did that not tell you something that Cam may not be healthy and they are complete limiting hits because this offense goes with Cam's legs. I was I was anticipating some type of Cam Newton quarterback power quarterback run just straight up the gut, essentially. So I'm like, who's going to stop this man from getting one yard on fourth down? Like, Unless if you got a free defender coming right at him, I think he's just going to score. Or at least, get the, at least get the one yard. I did not. I did not. Bucks did a great job containing that play on the outside. Vernon Hargraves did a great job. Uh, Golson did a great job keeping that angle down the line uh, to cut off McCaffrey so that there was no cutback lane. I don't, I don't know how you don't give the ball to Cam right there. And I understand giving the ball to your best player in Christian McCaffrey, but the fact that Cam Newton didn't touch the ball on that, I think, I think that speaks more volume, like you said, to his how the Panthers at least feel about his health. And it and must either, not be good. And, and either it's not good, it's on the fence of being good, or they're that scared that he's that prone to injury. I honestly, it's probably a combination of all the three. And I don't want to, yeah, go ahead to finish it on my bad. I just don't know what they're going to do because he's not precise enough with his throws to be hitting. He doesn't have any big receivers. Mm -mm. Greg Olsen, that's it. Yeah, DJ Moore's not a big guy. Curtis Samuel's not a big guy. Christian McCaffrey's not a big guy. Greg Olsen's old. No, no more Funches. Not that Funches was great for them, but no more Funches. Uh, throw Cam. It, uh, at this point, it's like, all right, if he can't throw the ball, get him healthy, put him at receiver. You got now a six foot six receiver, and just have Will Greer throw him the ball. <laughs> like uh, that's funny. Will Greer was terrible in the preseason, unfortunately, girls. You know, because you you know you won't find a bigger Will Greer fan than me. That's what I'm saying. 
It's. Uh, <sighs> I think. I think what was in their mind was that fourth down at midfield when the Bucks stopped Cam Newton from running, which what he did get one yard, and they just needed one yard. They didn't need the touchdown that thing. But let's go. Let's let's stop talking. The Bucks. I mean, we could talk all day about the Bucks defense. It was a back to back very good performances. They only gave up seventeen points last week. Don't forget those two pick sixes done by Jameis, and that was the big story of this team. And that's when I did my little preview. It's it's and I talked to people like, oh, you think the Bucks are going to win? Like I talked to some friends and like, I'm kind of done predicting Bucks games. I'm going to talk about matchups, but I'm done predicting games because it's so unpredictable with this team. But it's 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 simple. Jameis takes care of the ball. Bucks win. And he did exactly that in this game. He went, let me pull up the numbers real quick. He was 16 to 25, 208 yards, and a touchdown. He got sacked three times, but he didn't turn the ball over. No fumbles, nothing. Ground game, 31 attempts on the ground, 100 yards, only a 3.2 average. And Barber had 23 for 82 for 3.6 average and a touchdown. But it was still, he was still getting little, he was just, I don't know. I, it wasn't, the, those numbers surprising. Go ahead. I just think one of the bigger things that leads to them rushing the ball 31 times for 100 yards, they had the ball for 33 minutes, 53 seconds. So essentially 34, it was a 34-26 split. That's eight minutes. That's almost an entire, that's half of a quarter longer that they had the ball than Carolina. And you know what's crazy? Carolina ran three more, 13 more plays. That's that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Cam threw the, twenty. Cam threw fifty times. That's a lot of throwing. But I mean, the Bucks' recipe was simple: hand the ball off, and you make efficient throws. And they were quick throws, timing route. Something Jameis was really good at in college, and something that Dirk Cutter and Jameis found some common ground with the, throughout Jameis's first four years in the league. Godwin, our man. Eight for eight for one twenty one and a touchdown. Mike Evans four for sixty one. OJ Howard. I mean, there's just. What are your thoughts on how the Bucks are using their pass catchers? Do you think it's more take what the defense gives you? you? Think it's more schematic to find Godwin and use Evans as the big play threat? What are you just? Just what are your thoughts on? Because Jameis had a beautiful deep ball to Mike Evans, which is not something you say you hear every day and see every day when you're watching the Bucks. But what are your thoughts on how? Byron Leftwich has been using his pass catchers. I think Chris Godwin's going to continue to be the focal point of the offense in terms of moving the ball down the field. And then Mike Evans is going to be your... It's, all right, we're going to keep getting Chris Godwin the ball until you decide to like start double-teaming him or making have, having him having to reroute his routes. As soon as you start paying more attention to Chris Godwin... I'm going to start getting the ball to Mike Evans, and he's going to be ready for it. So I think that's going to be the combination. And I think the tight end position, for this Bucks offense to be sustainable, the tight end position has to get going. Bruce, so Arians, ha- has, Bruce Arians has not had much success with tight ends in his career, but the tight end, we are too talented at tight end for them to not be involved. O.J. Howard had nothing. No catches, no nothing. Didn't touch the ball. Maybe all right. Maybe OJ. Ha- uh, I hate. I'm going to say this. OJ Howard is immensely talented. Are we sure that he warrants a bigger workload than Cameron Bray? 
Oh, I don't know. I don't... Not with the connection that Jameis and Cameron Braid have. But between the two of them, there's got to be something. It's... And there I hasn't, there oh, just man. hasn't been a whole lot for me to think that that's that's just for the sustainability of the offense. Because I'm sorry, Brashad, <clears throat> excuse me, Brashad Perriman as the like being the number three option is a terrible decision when you have those two at tight end. I oh man, it's it's just tough. I I just I. Trust me, I was I was on every, I was on board the OJ Howard bandwagon, and I know it's only two weeks, but he played so bad last week, and then this week we don't see him do much, and I don't know if he's a better. He had a great seal block on Luke Keekley to to um, on Peyton Roberts touchdown run. I'm just I don't know. It's just very weird, and people are already are already jumping on, you know, from a fantasy perspective. Oh, Evan, Mike Evans, and OJ Howard, they're bust on that stuff. Mike Evans. I'm not worried about. He was sick on Sunday, throwing up on the sidelines, and it takes a couple days to get over the stomach bug and then get your fluids back. But he made a he made some big plays for the Bucks this game. I'm not worried about him. OJ, I'm a little more worried about. And I know that we we see the Bucks personnel, we skip, we see the offenses of Bruce Arians in the past, but this isn't Bruce Arians calling plays. This is Byron Leftwich, and you understand that. And people and I and that the Bucks have a defense through two games. Jimmy G and the Niners are a pretty good offense when, when Jimmy G's healthy and Kyle Shanahan's getting rhythm calling plays. We stifled them pretty much. Legit stifled them. Carolina at home coming off 27 points against the Rams, who are a vastly superior, talented team than the Bucks. You I mean, you would say that it's just a very... It's it's just a very weird feeling around Tampa Bay to say, hey, we have a ground-and-pound game again, and we're going to play solid defense. I I like it, but there's – I don't know. Maybe I'm seeing too much negativity from a fantasy side of things when I'm looking – when I'm reading and stuff, and no one's focusing on just, hey, the Bucks just gutted out a division win and are now in position to be a top – a tie to top of the NFC South. Because when we'll get to later, the Saints play at the Rams – and they're not favored in that game. They lose that game. Bucks are tied at one and one, and we play the Giants next week. So there's just um, there's just a lot. I feel very good about the Bucks. I wore my Bucks shirt, my Bucks shorts. I'm just like a giant red strawberry right now. Um, I'm still. I went to sleep in it. Still wearing it now. I'm very hyped. That was a very fun performance. And what are your two qu- two questions for you to, to, to before we move on to the rest of the Sunday slate? How do you view this Bucks team if this defense can continue this play? And what is their ceiling? Ah, those could be two questions in the same, but just just what are your thoughts on this final thoughts in this game and moving forward? How good can this team be if they play defense like this as their offense figures it out? If they can continue to play defense like this, this team has a chance to be a wild card team at a minimum. This defense, that defense can take them a long ways. If that D-line stays healthy. But the thing is, is they're going to struggle when they go up against big-name receivers. When they go up against Julio, Mike Evans, or not Mike Evans, Michael Thomas, like they have to twice a year, 
that's when they're going to struggle because we still don't have a we don't have anyone on that defense that can guard those guys. Mm-mm. That's once they get someone that can like a once they get a lockdown not not like Jalen Ramsey because obviously Jalen it's hard it's hard to get a top five corner in the NFL but once they can get a lockdown guy that can actually run with these ones that's when that's when this team will take the next step but I think this team I'd say wild card actually would probably be their ceiling yeah looking at Maybe their schedule they, it's it's a, it's a tough schedule after the Giants it's tough I don't think there's any way that they can win the division just on the basis that I don't think that they have anyone that can, like, if the Saints, if if they can keep generating pressure, they have a chance. And that's something we're going to see a lot of. We're going to see an aggressive attack. We're not just going to see them rushing four or five consistent. Maybe not even five. They were putting, they're rushing six, sometimes seven, going zero just all out. And in in the post-game interview, what Dead Jameis did with the NFL Network crew, Jameis mentioned going up against Todd Bowles' defense every time. It, it's crazy look, it's crazy blitzes. They're on you very quickly, and the Bucks' defense looks fast. It's just exciting, and I know everyone in this age of fantasy football and high-powered offenses enjoys that. I enjoyed defense. That was a fun, tense game throughout the whole entire all four quarters. Started out slow, three three, but then after that, it was still. Still plays being made, all that stuff. It was a fun, t- just a good time to be a Bucks fan. And there's a chance we get to hold on and get the two and one before we go at Rams, at Saints, host Panthers, and at Titans, at Seahawks, which sounds very difficult. So, all right, now from the Bucks and Panthers, there's a night game. Let's move on to the Sunday slate of Week Two, and we're gonna each talk about. We're gonna discuss our personal favorite games of the week, and then go through the entire entire slate as a whole, or get through as much as we can. Let's begin with your game of the week. Why don't you tell the listeners why you are so zeroed in on the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans? I think it's just going to be the game that decides a lot in the AFC. Are the Titans for real? Can they handle? Because they took it to a Browns team that does not have a good offensive line. They took it to a Browns team that seems to be very undisciplined. And I wish that would have been something that we would have talked about going into the season is, all right, yeah, they got Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, they got Todd Monken. But how disciplined is this team going to be? That's the difference between the Patriots and everyone else year in and year out. They don't make stupid mistakes. They don't make stupid penalties. And they do their job. They, They don't make mistakes in terms of missing their assignments. There's a difference between making a mistake and getting a flag on you and there's a difference between making a mistake and not doing your assignment and the Patriots historically speaking play some of the cleanest football so how will the Titans fare against this Titans defense fare against a top five offensive line in the Colts and a team that does have many many weapons at many different places. I think the Colts are very happy with their skill positions and confident that their offensive line can march them up and down the field. So I'm curious to see how the Titans can battle that on that side of the ball. Where would you attack the Titans defense if you were Frank Reich and Jacoby Brissett? I think I would... 
I don't know, because you have to neutralize that pass rush slightly. I would probably run the ball a lot in terms of what whatever type of run scheme that they want to do, but I'd probably be throwing a lot of screens to Marlon, and just trying to get mm-hmm. to Marlon Mack. Yeah. Marlon Mack to, is balling in, as a three-down back lately. He is... He's out out targeted um, Niam Hines for four straight games. I. This is such a weird. It's such a weird thing because Tennessee has like has three not big but three known names in terms of cornerback talent, but I just don't know if any of them are really like that great. And I went back two years ago and didn't look at la- last year's games because that's when Brissett was quarterback, and it's a d- much different. Much, much better supporting cast and coaching staff on this time around. But they held T.Y. Hilton to three catches and 16 yards combined in lo- in those two, t- two 2017 games. So I don't know if that's the if Vrabel ha- can duplicate those results. I don't know if the secondary can do all that. But that's a, that's a worrisome stat line for me although I don't think he's going to do that I, I would still play him I'm still playing in fantasy I just think that Devin Funch is going down you're just going to be relying on T.Y. Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron and do you think that the Ebron Jack Doyle Marlon Mack triumvirate is enough to make is enough to offset T.Y. Hilton struggles against Tennessee Funchess's absence and the and Brissett's limitations as a quarterback. I don't know. We, I, I need to see what Jacoby Brissett can. He make take the next step and be a playmaker. Is the biggest thing for me. I think Ty could have. I don't know. This pass rush is, this pass rush is going to be bearing down on Jacoby Brissett because they can hit you from so many different places. They're not how I describe the Titans is they're not great or elite anywhere on that defense. They're just really good across the board, which is scarier because they don't really have much of a weakness. It's pick your poison. So I think they're going to have to, this is if they want to win this game, they're going to have to keep it lower scoring and just grind it out and then hope that your defense can play better D. And before I ask that question of, do you think the Colts can, can, play better defense than the Titans play defense and in a grinded out style which sounds like it's playing perfectly into Tennessee's hands who it seems like Brissett is still a game manager and you said you wanted him to see and be a playmaker not how do you think Frank Reich should make him put more trust in him but do you think that Brissett has it in him to lead, not an elite offense, but to lead a top tier, not like a top half of the league offense in this situation. Do you think he has the arm talent, the mind, all of these things to do so? Because from what we saw from week one, even when they were trailing, they still were a run first team. And that if you're still trailing, and yes, they came back and tied, eventually lost in overtime to the Chargers. But I was expecting to see a little more chances downfield. We just didn't see that. So do you think that Reich will put his trust in Brissett to break out of this game management scale? I don't think he will, but I think it's something that is going to need to happen if this team wants to take the next step. 
because they can't rely solely on this run game because they don't play good enough defense. They don't they're not going to be able to score enough points. But I don't outside and you make a great point out Devin Funches out outside of TY Doyle and Ebron, where do you go? Deion Kane. I would love to see that. Wide receiver Ewan Clemson gets another one. I would love to see that. I feel like that's a very real possibility. If if they if he can get going. I just want to see you know how we saw with Matt LaFleur's offense, a lot of the timing routes. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the we're just gonna get these drive starters going. I would love to see something very similar for Jacoby Brissett because I don't think it's a in between the ears issue for Jacoby Brissett. Especially after sitting behind Andrew Locke, like I think he's ready and like kind of how we saw with Jameis from week one to here you know last week was Jacoby Brissett's first week actually playing in the new offense in a game coming into week two Mm -hmm. not going to be I mean on the road still but in a familiar place it's it's a tall tall task this game just is going to decide a how good can Tennessee be because if if Tennessee this is why this is such a big game to me if Tennessee can dominate this game in a not necessarily in a similar fashion but in a as they did last week but they can clearly control the game Tennessee has one of the better chances of beating New England because the only way you're going to beat New England this year is by running the ball and playing good defense. Because if you try to get in a shootout with the Patriots this year, their defense is too good, and they have way too many weapons on offense and the best, greatest quarterback of all time. I'm more shocked by you saying he's the greatest quarterback of all time than anything. In terms of statistics and, yeah, get, I and getting dubs, <laughs> I, y- y- yes. In terms of what I see with my eyes, he's just not my favorite to watch, but I recognize that he is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's go to the Tennessee side of things. I'm not I'm not gonna. Tennessee does have. I think if Tennessee, yeah. If Mariota can get running the ball, if if they can utilize Mariota as a running threat more. And get AJ Brown and Corey Davis involved with Delaney Walker staying healthy, and what we've seen from Derrick Henry, who's just a grind it out style. I could see that, which is why we love this team so much heading into the and in, heading into the season. There's they know who they are. They run the ball with Derrick Henry. They wear they limit Mariota's passing attempts, although he didn't look too bad in Week One. But and when they do throw, they target they target Delaney Walker and AJ Brown. They're a well coached team that understands what they're good at, and they're going to grind it out. So. I like, I really like this Tennessee team, and this is your game, and Tennessee's three-point favorites. So, how do you see this going? I see Tennessee taking it to them and solidifying themselves as a real threat in the AFC. I'm taking, I'm taking Tennessee twenty-seven twenty. Hmm, twenty-four. 17. I agree with you. I went 26-17. I went 26-17 myself, and I am looking forward to this game. 
I think that there'll be a couple three, two and O teams. I think Tennessee will be a surprise one. I mean, they've wins over Cleveland, Indianapolis. So those are pr- two pretty big wins. So let's move on to my game of the week, and it features so my Super Bowl pick. I think you hopped on the Super Bowl pick as, this wagon as well. It features Can't Trust Kirk. It features Dalvin. It is the Minnesota Vikings at the Green Bay Packers. Packers are three-point spread, which means these teams are virtually even. And the reason I am so in on big on this game is not just because it's a big rivalry game, but this is such a massive game in the scheme of the NFC North. Minnesota has a chance to shut down two talented offenses in a row, impose its run game on a defense that held Chicago to 46 yards on three point and on 3.1 yards per attempt. If the Packers win, they're 2-0. We have two division wins over their two biggest rivals. And that's a perfect start to the Aaron Rodgers, Matt, Matt Fleur relationship and, and marriage. And, you know, you can develop trust by making right play calls at the right time, big plays happening. But you know what really brings trust? Winning football games. And they win these two games. That will have good vibes throughout the whole locker room. And it will answer the biggest offseason question of can LeFleur and Rodgers coexist? And it's another tall task for, the, for their defense. But this main thing is such – I'm not going to say it's a contrast of styles because they're, more, they're a lot more similar than they think, especially offensively. Despite having Rodgers and Cousins, they're both are going to not establish the run but in terms of the Packers sense, but they're both going to make plays and throws off of play action. So can Minnesota duplicate their archaic, ancient style of play, which is play phenomenal defense, hand the ball off to Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison – and have their quarterback throw 10 times a game. Especially because they're now playing a much better defense in Green Bay, and they have to keep up with Aaron Rodgers. And they're on the road. On the flip side, can the Packers make Kirk throw more than 10 times? You do that, that sounds like that's a good start right there. Will the Rodgers, will Aaron Rodgers play action work against the, another top D? It didn't, it worked in on one drive last week. Two drives last week, and those two drives ended up being enough. I think they're going to need a little more this week because they're not facing Mitchell Trubisky. They're facing Kirk Cousins, but they're not facing Mitchell Trubisky. And they're facing a dynamic outside zone run scheme on offense, which I love. Packers, can they get Aaron Jones going? Can Xavier Rhodes versus Devontae Adams. My personal favorite matchup, um, Marquez Valdez-Scanting versus Trey Waynes. Can Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen torch a young secondary that we both love but gave a 102 to Allen Robinson and it should have been a lot more? There are, tr- there are matchups that intrigue me everywhere in this game. There's elite talent everywhere, and this is one of the best rivalries in the entire NFL. So I just laid out pretty much everything of why I'm excited. Noah, what are your thoughts on this game? What does this Packers team look like when – because Trubisky comparison to Kirk Cousins, like you said, I'll take Kirk Cousins every day. And that's saying something. Exactly. What they can't just stop try to stop the run and be like, all right, let's just let Kirk Cousins beat us. Because if you give Kirk Cousins time in the pocket with these receivers, you're it, it can be a long game, especially if this run game gets going. But if they can neutralize the run and get Kirk Cousins into second and long, third and long situations, this Packers D is going to start teeing off on terms of getting to the getting to the quarterback. And that's when that's when this Vikings team gets in trouble. So like you said, if if Kirk Cousins is throwing twenty five plus times, it is not looking good for the Vikings. 
on the other side of it, I'm excited to see how this Matt LaFleur play action can, can continue to progress. Can Devontae Adams be his go-to guy, or is he going to be a decoy a lot of the season, or at least in this early part of the season until they start respect until defenses start respecting the other receivers? Can that ground game actually get going a little bit more? Because if it gets go up, uh, and there have been studies that say that running the ball doesn't have direct correlation with like play action success. It's just not something it's we want it to be true, but it's statistically not true. But if you can, can start running the ball and being productive in that in in dicing up the defense right at its core, what that's going to do is that's just going to bring more defenders into the box. And if you can get more defenders into the box and you can get more one-on-one opportunities on the outside, Aaron Rodgers will pick you apart every single time. And if you're too scared to bring more people into the box because you're scared of Aaron Rodgers, then okay, this run game will just continue to keep going. So I'm curious to see what it's going to be like with that. Uh, this is... I don't want to say because, you know, if if Minnesota loses on the road... I don't think that's a, especially to Green Bay. I don't think that's like oh, that's it's it's who are we, who it's who are it, they are who they thought what they were. They also have to say for some reason, but I feel like this is a this is a big game for Green Bay to win, more so than Minnesota. So, I mean, I picked the Packers to win the Super Bowl, and all of that comes down to everything we've talked about. It's the improved secondary. It's getting it's getting Aaron Jones more touches and getting him in space, and. The game script played such a big factor in Minnesota's winning because if Minnesota gets a lead, I'm not gonna say you're done, but you're you're on the cuffs of being done because they're gonna run the ball even more. And we saw Dalvin. Dalvin looks every bit as a top five running back in the NFL. He looks amazing, looks healthy, all that. And if you give Kirk Cousins in play action, he's gonna get confident in that pocket. And like you said, if you give him pocket and give if you give him a clean pocket, he has Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs to throw to, and those are two pretty good receivers, you could say. So this is just has all the makings of it. You you toss in the fact that this is a very good rivalry game, and there's fantasy implications. There's RB ones, there's wide receiver ones, there's DFS sleepers and MVS because he's going up against Trey Wayne's. It's it's just an ultimate test of how each conflict, how each conflicting style of offenses, how they're going to do against improved defenses. And I am, I don't know about you, I'm going to side with the Packers in a very, very close game. I'm Give me Green Bay and the points at 24 to 20. Noah, how do you see this? What is your prediction for this game? I think Green Bay has a chance to solidify themselves as the reason why you picked them to win the Super Bowl. If they can win this game and neutralize a run game, a Gary Kubiak run game led by Dalvin Cook and Aaron Rodgers, and I think this, the Packers are going to be coming off, what, 10 days? Because they played Thursday night. Mm-hmm. That's three extra days of not physical prep, yeah. Okay, cool. Mental prep, just in terms of schematics and mis- – 
Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers collaborating together, looking at this Vikings D, seeing what, what holes they can find, seeing what matchups they like. And this, on the flip side, this Packers D scheming up how they're going to stop this Gary Kubiak run game. I think those couple extra days are the teetering point for me to know that the Packers are going to cover. So we're going to go 31-21 Packers. Ooh, man, high scoring, high scoring. Like it, love it. All right, we're going to go to the rest of the slate. We're not going to go that deep. We're going to, I don't know, I don't want to say speed through it, but not take more than three or four minutes per game. Next up is San Francisco 49ers at 1-0 at the Cincinnati Bengals, who are 0-1. Quick before you dive into this game a little bit, who do you think's favored in this game? Cincinnati's at home? Yes. I would say Cincinnati's two-point favorites. Right on the nose, baby. Two-point favorite Cincinnati, and I'm going to go with those points as well. But 49ers offense looks like a work of progress, though. Jimmy G did not – Jimmy G Garoppolo did not look – too crisp against the Bucks. It could be because the Bucks are now a vaunted defense, reminding us of the two, early 2000s. But I'm not going to go that far. But he just, I feel like it's going to be a little bit for him to get going because he doesn't trust any any of his pass catchers outside of George Kittle. Inconsistent pass catchers. It's the running back position in this in this organization is cursed as Tevin Coleman is already on the IR. So. A promising offense now has inconsistent receivers and in, in picks and Dante Pettis, who played two snaps, relying on Debo Samuel and Marquise Goodwin. That doesn't sound like the recipe for success for this offense. They do have Matt Brady and Raheem Mostert, who are very, more than capable of holding their own and and were pretty good last year down the, down the stretch. Pass rush, we'll see how they go. Cincinnati had four sacks on Russell Wilson last week. And they did enough to win that game. But Andy Dalton in that offense was the story. Zach Taylor calling plays in his debut as a co- head coach and play caller. Dalton had 418 yards. Got the ball out of his hands quickly to negate their bad offensive line. This helped against Nick Bosa, D4, and the 49ers strong front. John Ross and Tyler, Roth and Tyler Boyd could take advantage of this 49ers secondary. And the Bucks gave up. And the 49ers gave up seven catches for 60 yards to Bucks running backs through the air. And the 49ers are a million times better schematically and talent-wise at that position. So what are your thoughts on and how do you see this game playing out? I'm curious to see how the Bengals... Big question is, is will Joe Mixon play? Joe Mixon playing or not playing will decide this game for me. Why do you say that? Because I'm, I'm not the biggest... It, it, not that I'm not the biggest Giovanni Bernard fan. I think he will be a, a serviceable. But Joe Mixon, allowed, in my opinion, will take this takes this offense to the next level because he is like Dalvin in that gets yards when he's not supposed to get yards hmm. and keeps this team on schedule, which is huge for Andy Dalton. You get Andy Dalton, like when he was great at TCU, it's because he was on schedule. Gary Patterson had him in a system that allowed him to continue to just play as it came, I, I I kind of view Jared Goff and him in the same way. In terms of you get Jared Goff off schedule and behind the chains, it I, I'm not I'm not crazy about it. But you keep a good run game or even a sh- quick pass game to continue to move the chains. That's what I like about this Bengals offense. I'm curious to see how they're going to use John Ross. I, I'm excited. John Ross, Tyler Boyd. Where does the attention go? We saw Eifert get a little bit of action late in the game last week. 
can Zach Taylor continue to create different mismatches with the speed that he does have? The Niners, if they can neutralize the pass rush, they have the they have the talent to beat this Niners team through the air as long as they can neutralize this pass rush. That's why I'm kind of not as – I love Joe Mixon and, uh, as a football player. That's why I'm not really like that and worried about Gio Bernard coming in because there was rumors all offseason that Bernard was gonna, that was loved by the coaching staff and wanted getting involved. And if Dalton's just going to sit in shotgun and not even bother working in a ground game, I I think that I think that works better for Dalton. That's how he was at TCU, and we saw last week how sharp he had zip on his balls. Man, I was very very impressed with his arm talent, and that's why I am taking Cincinnati. I was more impressed with them than the 49ers in Week One, and honestly, San Francisco needs to prove to me that they can win without being gifted 14 points by an opposing quarterback. So I'm going to take Cincinnati 27-20. How about you? I got Cincinnati 24-20. Right on thing. All right, let's keep this moving to an A, another A, the second AFC South showdown of the day between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. Gardner Minshew came in, threw for 269 yards, and put up 12, math is right, 19 points against Kansas City Chiefs in relief of Nick Foles, who is out until at least week 11 with a broken collarbone. Um, this is an uphill battle for Jacksonville. Houston's coming off a short week. And as much as the attention may want to be focused on Gardner Minshew getting his first start, but Houston's defense isn't good. Jacksonville's D-line can just can single-handedly win this game. Do you think that they can get it done, though? I think so. I think this is a game that Jacksonville is going I think they can win this game cuz they have they have the defense to be able to neutralize this Texans offense. The D-line, Josh Allen and that D-line are going to tee off. That this is a better pass rushing like the reason I think Jacksonville's D struggled last year is because the offense gave them no help. They were just playing on short fields and a lot of them last year and just not getting a whole lot of help from that offense. I love Gardner Minshew. I think I, did you watch any of his press conference? Did you see any of those clips? I did not. He was saying that, you know, they traded for Josh Dobbs. Yes. He is, you know what Josh Dobbs was a, is a rocket scientist. He's an aerospace engineer Mm -hmm. degree from Tennessee and he was talking about Gardner Minshew's like, oh, you know, I just have a communications degree. Like, Josh Dobbs on another level. And everyone in the media room laughed. But he reminds me of Mike Leach in terms of how he goes around with the media. And mm-hmm. I love that type of mojo. And I think that that – if he throws the ball, he's going to be comfortable throwing the ball a lot. And this Texans defense is not daunting at all. And they have weapons – this is my. I, I don't know if I there. I have upsets of the week, but if there's if this you consider this an upset, I got Jacksonville winning this game. You have them winning outright. Yeah, I have them covering. I have it twenty three seventeen Houston simply because we saw Deshaun Watson get sacked six times, hit another eleven times, was checked by the medical staff twice, and he still had four touchdowns on the road in New Orleans. They lost, and. Jacksonville isn't as aggressive in terms of defensive philosophy, but they do have better pass rushing talent. 
And looking at last year's games, Houston put up 20 points and just put up 20 in both games. And if they can, if Jacksonville can do that, I actually I really like Minshew's chances of getting to 17 points and covering, winning the game. Whew, man, it's it's, up, I, it's I I'm 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 so I want to do it. Trust me, I want to do it. I just think that I don't know. I I just am not ready to pick Gardner Minshew over Deshaun Watson yet. And that's that's fair. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm foolish, but I just like the defense that Jack. I think the defense is going to be able to contain them enough. Yeah, and because I mean, last year they had Blake Bortles at quarterback for both times. I know Jalen Ramsey said that DeAndre Hopkins is unguardable, but he AJ said that. Bouye, yeah, he said he said that DeAndre Hopkins is damn near unguardable, and that the it's like there's a reason why DeAndre Hopkins is a 99 on Madden. That's respect come from Jalen. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I thought. So, but I think, I think that defense. I, I think that pass rush is going to be able to get there. I do not think that this Texans O line is going to be able to hang up. And like we talked about last week, Deshaun's style of play is not sustainable. And this is a tough defense to play against. If Tevin Telvin Smith is playing in this game, I'm not even thinking twice about this pick. It sucks that he's not, but I'm going to go Jacksonville. Uh, 24-21. Man, that would be big. That would that would sound the alarms in Houston like never before. Um we'll see. We'll see how much we'll see if Jacksonville can come back from laying an egg at home to Kansas City, which is now laying an egg to, laying an egg to Kansas City is nothing nothing to hold your head over. Nothing to get upset about. But all right, let's keep moving. Let's go to the Meadowlands for a Absolutely cracking matchup between the Buffalo Bills and the New York Giants. Giant, Bills are coming off a comeback 16-0, overturning a 16-0 deficit to win 17-16 on the road in this exact stadium. And Eli Manning still playing quarterback for the Giants. So I don't think we have to spend too much time on this. The Giants are still a two-man offense with Saquon and Evan Ingram. Who played well despite their who played well last week despite their circumstances, and their offense has to climb up Mount Everest to produce points unless Saquon busts a long run because Eli Manning is still limiting this team. I just, if I see a single Eli Manning bootleg, I swear to God I'm not going to watch another Giants snap all season until they play the Bucks next year next week, and then I'm not going to watch another one at the season all season. I can't. I'm ready for Daniel Jones, but. I mean, I don't think you, this has. We have to dive really deep into this. The Bills are superior in talent and coaching, and have a chance to get two road wins in two weeks without leaving the state of New York. I think they get it done, twenty three seventeen. What are your thoughts on this game? And I hope that you mention it because if we don't, then I'm, if you don't mention, it, I'll have to mention it at the end that we see an uptick in targets and overall touches for a certain Buffalo running back. Devin Singletary is going to tear up this game. He is the best back on that team. He's going to learn a lot from Frank Gore. I'm glad he has a vet like that to play with. The dude is, he makes people miss. Like we talked about last week, he made Jets guys, literally, Jets players fall on their face. All He's going to score a touchdown this week. I wish someone would trade him to me in my fantasy league because I don't have any <laughs> stock in him. I would I, not on the base. I don't even think like if he'll be a great fantasy back. I just love watching him play. 
He's so explosive. He's explosive, great acceleration, and can cut. And is not tackled easily because he has such a low center of gravity. Similar to like a Maurice Jones-Drew type, just less bulky. I think he's more shift. I think he's shiftier. Yeah, than MJD too. Yeah, less less bulky, less of a truck. But in terms of having to take him down, like even when you tackle him, he just stays on his feet. I know it's so With, funny. I'm taking Buffalo big. I think Buffalo's twenty-eight, seventeen. I don't even know if Giants can score seventeen points. That's where I was on the thing too. But I just can see Saquon busting one. I can see that. But this and, Buffalo D is the one of the best D's in the NFL. Very well coached. Could definitely see. Could definitely see Buffalo just shutting this team out. Mm-hmm. And I and I put up twenty. I just threw the twenty three points up there because you never know what you're going to get from Buffalo in terms of consistency and production from from with Allen, Josh Allen. But I just I think that's just for me personally. That's, that has a, that has them covering, and it's a typical Buffalo game. Let's move to slightly slightly to the south where the Seattle Seahawks are facing the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I know exactly where you're going with this, 100%. I am having a very difficult time with this game. For a, for, and I'll, let me explain why. Seattle didn't look good but they never looked, in week one, but they never looked good in week one. At, they never looked good in, in the early part of the season, and they especially don't look good when they're playing bad teams at home, which is a very weird thing. This is just Pittsburgh's last stand. Coming off a 33-3 drumming. And Big Ben is playing at home. I, as I'm doing this, I'm thinking, to, I'm literally saying to myself, I have the Steelers putting up 31 points, yet I have no proof that they can do that without Antonio Brown. And now that I say, think about that, I'm like, Take away all the A-B antics. Take away all this new stuff that came about, which, which we're acknowledging. We're not going to talk about because it's getting investigated, and we like to do our due diligence and wait for everything to be reported. That's what we do here at Ordinary Pod. Um, but do you think I, – I assume you're, you're thinking like me that Seattle is just going to put up points on this terrible secondary if Russell Wilson can get any time at all. Do you think Pittsburgh has the weapons to go toe-to-toe at Seattle, even at home? I think they do, but I don't know if they're going to click. I think they have the talent, but I think Ju- the part of the reason Juju was so good, and I love Juju, big fan of Juju, but him getting that number one receiver and not having the distraction of A.B. is he's a amazing one of the best number two receivers in the nfl but he's gonna have to have one of these younger guys or not even younger guys between like james washington but even dante moncrief someone's gonna have to set up vance mcdonald someone's has to step up in that passing game but if they try to rely on juju how big ben has relied on ab to move the chains all these years the steelers team isn't gonna score anything and with Jadavion Clowney, they're not going to be running the ball, like, amazingly. They might be somewhat productive, but they're not going to be amazing. James Conner's not going to be amazing in this game. The Seahawks D is tough. Yeah, dude, maybe maybe on the ground, but through the air, they were just carved up. And that's what I, that's what I kick out of my head is that Dalton put up – they put up almost 400, 500 yards on the Seattle. 
and that's what's so tough for me to pick this. And that's why I coward. I, not, I, I took the cowardly route and took a push. I took Steelers winning 31-27, and I normally don't roll with Pittsburgh. Trust me, if you listen to me talk or read my stuff at all over the past couple of years, I do not roll with Pittsburgh. And I don't know if I just, I just don't trust this team. And they have been proven right. But for some reason, I'm thinking there's a lot of negative talk around Pittsburgh. Big Ben, I've, my buddy Anthony is, is saying that Big Ben looks, looks checked out and done. He's just ready to retire. I'm just saying, you know what? Maybe Pittsburgh just holds on for one more time. And if they do, this is the perfect chance for them because they throw the ball like crazy at home. They put up points at home. Their strength of their defense is their front seven and their D-line. Seattle's weakness is their O-line. I think that's a matchup where they can get a little thing in. I think Pittsburgh gets a big lead, and then Seattle just slowly chips away, chips away, lock it, Metcalf get free, get some um, garbage time points, and then Pittsburgh gets a late first down to win the game and clinch the game 31-27. So I don't, this, is, this game I do not feel good about at all. Oh, I'm Seattle all, way, all the way. I don't trust Pittsburgh. I know. I'm right there with you. I just think Seattle's going to – I don't know. I don't know. I will, take, just... I will take Russell Wilson, even though I hate the play calling that Seattle has. But I'll take Russell Wilson and because this is like my best case scenario all the time for teams, especially early in the season. You didn't play the best, but you still found a way to win. So what you learn, you learn more from a game when you lose than when you win. So it's as if they lost in terms of what they learned, but they won the game. Morale is high, but still, hey, we got lucky. Can't be playing like that every week. And this, if you, th- I'm, I think Pitt Carroll's a better coach than Mike Tomlin. I think Russell Wilson's a better quarterback, and I think Seattle has the better defense. So, what do you think the score would be? Twenty-four, twenty-seven, Seahawks. We both have Seattle scoring twenty-seven, so. Uh, let's move on to a game that probably won't take long to discuss. The Cowboys at the Redskins. Redskins surprised us last week. I don't see that happening this week. Dallas is six-point road favorites. We gushed about Dallas's offense. Their defensive talent is amazing. Their offense is amazing. Their play calling is now amazing. This is just a really fun Dallas team, and I don't see the Washington Redskins being the team that slows us, slows us down. I... Fantasy-wise, Dak, Zeke, Amari must-starts every week. Michael Gallup, guy I've loved all for two years now, creeping into WR2 territory. Washington's and your boy Terry McLaurin. Nice nice game script. And him and Chris Thompson should be, should be some nice PPR plays. Adrian Peterson's getting the start with Darius Geis injured again with another knee scope. Not looking good for him. Hopefully he can get back to health because he was such a fun player in college and in preseason last year. I have Dallas 31-20. Not thinking about it twice. Noah, your thoughts? I just want to say this. It's a thought that I've had. I think Kellen Moore is the... It's This might be a bold take. New and improved Sean McVay. In terms of young OCs in the league. I'd rather have Kellen Moore... Dan, and maybe this is my Idaho homage <laughs> coming out in full flesh, 
but I'd rather have Kellen Moore now moving forward than Sean McVay in the past moving forward. I mean, I feel like they do, Moore, they, do, they do a lot of the same things except Kellen Moore does that with the shotgun, which I feel like is, is, uh, is a bigger advantage. I'd agree. Uh, but in terms of this game, it, dude, the Cowboys are one of my favorite teams in the NFL to watch. I can't, and I talked to Nino about this. Um, also, shout out Nino. Um, nice call on the Bucks win. He's calls for a Bucks sweep of the Panthers this year, and he's one for one so far this year. We'll see how it goes for the rest of the season. Um, what was I saying? You're just talking about the uh, thoughts in the game. Score prediction was coming. Oh, he was saying how he doesn't like the Cowboys. And I think a lot of the people, a lot of the reason people don't like the Cowboys is they were so bad for so many years. They were eight and eight and just average so many years. But everyone or the media kept hyping them up as America's team. And they kept, they get to play in all the Thanksgiving games. And people just didn't enjoy watching them because they were mediocre, yet they were all on all the primetime TV. But now they're actually fun to watch. They are so much fun. The offense is so exciting. That run game's good. They got some receivers. The defense is fast. Uh, in terms of score, uh, 35-17 Cowboys. 35-20 Cowboys. 35-20 Cowboys. Not bad at all. I mean, I'm right there with you. Um, let's move to a game that you could describe as personal football porn for me and that is these Arizona Cardinals at the Baltimore Ravens you have two of my favorite quarterbacks in the entire NFL already Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson facing off um one of them has a very good team around them the other one does not have a very good team around them I can see ball I see Baltimore aggressing to a slightly more run first approach in this game and they did throw the ball only 20 times last week with Lamar but those 2017 completions were just bombs and against the terrible Miami team we'll get to them in a second um, I can see them still having the right. I can still see them doing very well against Arizona. Although Terrell Suggs homecoming and Chandler Jones Terrell Suggs that is a very underrated pass rushing duo who did very well last weekend at times. So I could see them getting if they get the, if they can get into third and long situations. I could see them having an impact. But Lamar and this offense is just too perfectly constructed right now. And I'm very interested to see if Kingsbury if Cliff if, Clink, if Cliff Kingsbury and Kyle that's a lot of K's right there can carry their fourth fourth quarter and overtime momentum from last week into this week and use that quick passing game to master O-line problems, and especially going up against the great interior front with Michael Pierce and Brandon Williams of Baltimore. Larry Fitz looked great and rejuvenated. Kyler Murray, I don't know if you saw that throw. He dropped an absolute dime in, in between two D- Detroit defenders to Larry. It was so beautiful. Watching David Johnson finally properly using the running in the pass game, especially touchdown up the seam. They are such a fun team to me. Fantasy notes, I'm going to let you talk about your boy in a second. Fantasy notes, Lamar, Mark Ingram, and your boy Mark Andrews are must-starts for Baltimore. Hollywood Brown had four catches and two touchdowns on eight routes run. So expect some regression. But Arizona's secondary supports, he may be more boom than bust. And the only player I would start, David Johnson and potentially Larry Fitzgerald from Arizona. Uh, It's a 13-point spread, Noah. 13 points. Do you see Arizona covering, and what are your thoughts on this game as a whole? I do not see Arizona covering because if there's one team that will know how to stop a mobile quarterback or that is ready to stop a mobile quarterback, it is 
the Baltimore Ravens. Even one that is more air raid in passing than running? Yes, but... And I think Kyler Murray has more arm talent, but I would never take Kyler Murray over Lamar Jackson. I'm not going to say anything yet. At least at this point in time. Mm-hmm. I, I, Kyler Murray, like, he's going to be great, but I just think Lamar Jackson has the chance to be one of the greatest we've seen. Because every year, every single year, he has gotten better at football. From his freshman year at Louisville to his Heisman winning year to the year after his Heisman year was better. And then last year, he was still a solid quarterback in the NFL, obviously had some things to learn. And I know he played Miami last week, but he's just going to get better every single week. He didn't run the ball at all last week. And he has so many awesome weapons. He has a run game to go with. He has his legs to escape when he needs to. He's smart and doesn't really take big hits. Knock on wood. Who has better arm talent, Kyler or Lamar? I think Kyler does. Hmm. But Um, I could be... mm -hmm. In terms of like precision and just pure natural talent, I think Kyler does. But I think Lamar's ceiling is right up there with it. And Lamar's a much better open field runner than Kyler. Hmm. So, but I'm... uh, This is really fun it's gonna be a fun game to watch even if it's a blowout or even if it's not as close as some might may think um I'll, I'll, hmm, i'm not gonna convince myself of an arizona cover because that defense is awful um we'll go uh we'll go 38 uh 38 24 high scoring in baltimore i went 27 19 i think your boy mark andrews is gonna go crazy who's coming off a 100-yard game and a touchdown, although that was with RG3. But we saw what TJ Hawkinson did to this to this linebacking core and safety core and defense, and I, I could see that being a formula. I'm just going to say that I just think Arizona's defense, I think Terrell Suggs is going to be fired up. I can see I can see Baltimore not wanting to show too much to the passing game, and I can see... I can see Arizona selling out on stopping the pass, which is not something we expected to hear from any team facing Baltimore. So let's keep it moving. Uh, let's not spend time on this game. It's the New England Patriots at the Miami Dolphins. They are 19. Let me say it again. They are 19-point favorites in this game. The best roster in the NFL versus the worst roster in the NFL. Maybe Bill Belichick takes it easy on his former assistant, Brian Flores. Um, but 42-10 Patriots. I went 30-13. I say, t- I say take the under. My boy sent me a stat that when the Patriots have been double-digit favorites, the under has hit 10 straight times, and the under is 49. Mm. Uh, the A-B, if Antonio Brown plays, different story, but I can just see the Patriots reverting to a compl- keeping Brady safe, getting Sonny Michelle on track. Thank God because he ruined my fantasy game last week. Don't mean to air, air out any grievances, but I can see that happening. And... Your thoughts on Minka Fitzpatrick seeking a trade already. Where do you think he should go? I would be cool with Tampa trading a first. Or second and a fourth type. Second Tampa, and fourth. Mm-hmm. A first would be tough, but if you could, you could even sell a first and then get Miami's second back type thing. Um but I, Tampa would be awesome. 
Uh, Houston would be awesome. I don't know how much capital Houston has. Uh, Chiefs would be awesome. Interesting. Anywhere. Yeah, just uh, it's kind of Colts. I think the Colts would be a phenomenal place for him to go. Mm-hmm. They got the capital. They have they have the draft. They have the uh, capital. They got the room. And then the thing is, is then you can start playing Mika Fitzpatrick, how the Chargers play Derwin James. Yeah. And because he can play a bunch of different positions. They had him. They had him learn six positions this offseason. Six. He's yeah. Just just he's be, a, have him put nickel mm-hmm. corner and 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 like stud. And then if you want, I don't know if you want him to play a little bit of like third down linebacker. Have him play some third down linebacker. But that's what I. I he would be awesome on on an Indianapolis team. Mm-hmm. Him and Malik Hooker would be crazy. All right, let's move on to a game that is near and dear to my heart. The Los Angeles Chargers at the Detroit Lions. And this is one of my favorite games of the slate. Chargers got up early, blew lead in over blew lead and won in overtime, which is something the Chargers typically do. And Detroit got up big, blew the lead, and tied in overtime against the Cardinals. Both these teams are talented. They are questionably coached. Chargers are slightly the better team, but I can't get over how much I love this Lions weaponry on offense. Matthew Stafford looked very good in last week. TJ Hawkinson balled out. Most receiving yards ever for a tight end making his rookie debut. Amon Dolan over 100 yards, although I don't think he's going to find that find it that easy going up against Desmond King and Casey Hayward and all these guys. Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. Chargers got ripped up by Marlon Mack, which means carry on Johnson should bounce back. And the, car, and the Lions just got tired. They played an extremely fast-paced team, and they just got tired in the, in the fourth quarter. Chargers don't play at a fast pace at all. Chargers have no Hunter Henry. Mike Williams has knee ins- knee issues already, and he hasn't practiced all his week, which means it's going to be literally Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, which should be the game plan anyway, given their O-line questions. But the- I have no idea what to do with this game, so can you please guide me in the right direction or di- give me your thoughts on this game? Because I find this game to be extremely extremely entertaining i am curious i'm curious to see how the carry and johnson cj anderson thing continues to play out uh cj anderson is just is like just doesn't disappear he just is going to keep on chugging along which i honestly commend him for because it's impressive and i mean he's he's lived in miami that where did he go before the rams last year he got cut twice didn't he he was originally Denver. I'll do a quick Google search while you while you talk. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off about C.J. Anderson talk. But this uh, Chargers-Detroit game, again, all the Chargers games are going to – the reason they, they're going to be playing so slow is because they know they don't have the defense to really be sustainable, and they don't have the offensive line to just grind the game out. I think – Austin, I think this Chargers offense is going to have a good game, though. I like I because I am a bigger fan of the Colts defense than I am of the Lions defense. They are going to have to, but this that Detroit D line is good. They're they're solid in the middle, and not having Hunter Henry, who's replacing him? I, Antonio Gates doesn't isn't playing anymore. Mm-mm, let me look it up real quick. So I'm curious to see who they're going to have at the tight end position. 
I'm curious to see who's going to step out outside of Keenan Allen. I think we're going to see a lot of Austin Eckler. I could even wouldn't even be surprised if we saw a little Austin Eckler in the slot and had a lot of two running back type situations to get Justin Jackson and Eckler on the field at the same time. It's still Virgil Green, by the way. Virgil Green. That's not terrible. That's a solid. That's a solid backup. I'm taking Chargers though. Oh, man, TJ Hawkinson's gonna light it up though. They're two and a half point favorites. The Chargers on the road. Ooh. Yeah, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Chargers. Um. Twenty four twenty one. Not very confident with this game. I took this almost the exact score line, but I have Detroit winning. I don't blame you. I have Detroit twenty three twenty. Yeah. I have this. I'm a sucker for Detroit, man. I don't know what it is. I liked. I loved what's. I loved how their offense looked. And like I said, I think they can find. I think they are a, one of the teams in the NFL that can literally have true balance. And I wasn't. I wasn't really impressed with the Chargers. I mean, Marlon Mack was just carved them up, and Carry On can do the same exact thing. And I think I don't know. This is just like a weird Chargers game to lose. But it's also a weird Lions game to lose as well, which is why it's so weird because these are two teams and two quarterbacks that we see the brilliance and then we see why they can't get over the hump. But let's move on to the Kansas City Chiefs at the Oakland Raiders. This is just an offensive shootout all over it. Fantasy fantasy gold on both sides. Mahomes and the boys, Sammy Watkins and Tyree and Travis Kelsey should have no problem putting up points without Tyree Kill. On an Oakland defense without Jonathan Abrams, sadly, for the season. And Garyon Conley, who probably should not be playing after that very, very scary neck injury on Monday Night Football. On the flip side, Derek Carr plays very well at home versus Kansas City. And the Chiefs just gave up 26 points to Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew. So, I think the game is safely... I think the Chiefs are safely favored and safely going to win and cover. But I can see Derek Carr in the weaponry, the weapons that he has, in particular Darren Waller, the tight end position, Tyrell, the Gazelle Williams, that had looked very sharp, stretching defense, and Josh Jacobs was just awesome to watch, and he'll have plenty of volume. I can see game script being a very favorable for the Raiders fantasy guys, and I mean I don't know what I don't know how much how deep you want to go in this game. But I'd bet the 53 over easily and the 7-7 seven, seven point spread to I have Kansas City winning 38-27. I'm excited to see how Andy Reid and this offense adjusts without Tyreek Hill. I'm curious to see what happens with their running with their running game situation. How much more will Damian Williams get involved? What's going to happen with Travis, Kel- Travis Kelsey? Um, where's the attention going to go in terms of Sam- for Sammy Watkins and how much how much respect are they? Is that defense going to pay? I assume. I assume they're going to try to lock down Sammy Watkins. And that's the thing is we said it earlier this week. It's not a matter of talent for Sammy Watkins. It's a matter of health, being healthy, and just being on the field. I think. I don't know if Oakland's going to be able to slow down Travis Kelsey. I don't know if they have anyone. Maybe I don't know. Who do you think guards him? Joiner. Too small. I think Burfitt. That's what I thought. I think it's had to be Burfitt, which is not a good look for them. No. And I was impressed. I was impressed with Oakland's defense, but now Abram's out. Abram played the second half with a torn labrum. Scud. That's painful, man. And he and he was and someone and he was asked about. It. He said all he did was hit the other shoulder. 
And now he's out for the season, which sucks because he was so awesome on Hard Knocks. He was so awesome that week one. You could hear us. You saw him everywhere on that field. But um, what did you, did you get? I uh, get a score for you from you. No, we're gonna go uh, thirty-five. 24, uh, 35, 28. Mm. Oh, you have a push? Yeah. Not bad. All right. Let's get to America's Game of the Week, the 425 primetime slot. Um, A game that I truly have not made a pick yet. I've written up every single matchup preview except for this one because I have no idea what to do with it. And that is the New Orleans Saints at the Los Angeles Rams who are favored by two points. This is the rematch of last season's controversial ending to the NFC Championship game, which saw a non-pass interference call. Allow the Rams time to make to come back and kick a field goal to tie the game since overtime where they got the win. And that call resulted in the NFL making pass interference calls challengeable and reviewable. I personally had both as regression candidates, but one team can kickstart their season to 2-0. Kamara had 11 for 96 through the air last season in this game, which is crazy. The Rams have no match for him. Tom, Michael Thomas versus Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters. If they go, if Tlaib and Peters travel to the slot, Peters and travel to the slot, if Tlaib travels to the slot. The Saints O-line is still strong. They have the revenge factor. They shut down the Rams outside zone attack and title game, but Goff did really well. Cooks had over 100 yards on his former team. The over is 52 points. The outside of the dome always concerns me with the Saints, but... I have no idea what to do with it, man. What are your thoughts on this game? A game that you should hold near and dear to your heart because it was so because your prediction was so close to becoming true all season, and then it just fell. I know. Just was passed. Was interfered with. One could say. I'm concerned about Drew Brees through the season. I don't know why. Maybe it's maybe it's just my angst from last year and his fall off in the second half, but. Texans' defense is not good, and if the Michael Tom, I just don't know how long the Michael the Michael Thomas only being the only option. I think having Jared Cook there helps. Alvin Kamara is going to be awesome, but can is it? Can he do it for the long term? I think they're going to have to start getting Latavius Murray involved. Just I know he scored a touchdown last week, but just to kind of take the load off Kamara a little bit. Because I don't like what the Panthers are doing with Christian McCaffrey. Hmm. He's the only focal point of the offense. In terms of fantasy, oh yeah, it's awesome. In terms of winning games it's in longevity, it's not great. And I don't think the Saints are going to continue to do that, but I think this offense is going to... I got Saints winning. I can't take the Rams. <laughs> Oh man, what what score do you have for that? Thirty-one thirty. Ooh, the over is fifty-two. That's a, that's a big one. I'm taking the. I'm pretty sure I'm leading Rams to cover and win. I think Goff. I just think Breeze outside of the dome is different, and I think Goff and the short week and the travel. Although the Rams had to travel from the East Coast as well, I just personally I think I'm going to go Rams score wise. I don't know yet. I'll probably come to that as I write this out, but I like what I saw from them. You know what you're going to get from them. Their pass catchers look very good, man. Cup, Woods, Cooks, Higby, Everett, Gurley, Brown. I just really like that, and I think their O-line can hold up against the Saints. 
I really, I personally, I really do. And I think golf going into the Superdome and getting that win and being so successful will be a lot for his confidence in this game. Uh, let's keep it rolling. I think we have three games left. Three games left. Yeah, let's go to the Mile High City in Denver, uh, in Denver, where the Chicago Bears are traveling as two and a half point favorites to take on the Denver Broncos. Disappointing results for both teams in Week One. Both teams predictably had their struggles on offense. And now they fa and facing each other in, their, in these two great defenses is not the best way for offense to get back on track. The Broncos' offense has pretty much no shot if they tried out last week's game plan with Flacco doing rollouts and all that stuff. But yet again, the only solace is Denver has a phenomenal defense, even better home field advantage, and head coach Vic Fangio knows Mitchell Trubisky from his time spent in Chicago as, as defense coordinator. Fantasy-wise, I would literally only play Allen Robinson and Emmanuel Sanders, especially if I only, and that's only if I had to. Uh, this is not going to be... If you're watching the afternoon slate, do not have this game on if you are not a fan of defense and are not a fan of what you watch on Thursday night with the Bucks and the Panthers. So, what are? how do you see this game playing out? This Chicago D, or this Chicago offense is going to get destroyed by Von Miller and Nick Chubb. I don't, I don't see, but how good can Joe Flacco be against this defense? I don't know. Like, it's not much better on, it's the the same exact game regardless of, it's same colors too, mm -hmm. of the teams, you know? It's the same exact game. The same, it's on both sides of the ball. And it's going to come down to who, I think it's going to come down to who commits fewer turnovers. Because whoever can get more turnovers and put their offense in plus field position will mm -hmm. win. This That's game. what I was going to say too. Yeah, and I was going to say punter, punters will. The special teams will be decided in this game. One hundred percent. And I think I'm going to go Denver. I just I, I trust too. and I trust Flacco more than Trubisky, which is crazy to say. Mm -hmm. But force Trubisky to win. I like I like Denver's weapons more. It's uh, we're gonna go we're gonna go fifteen uh, twelve <laughs> the field goal game yeah field goal game you're counting on the Bears to make four field goals which is crazy you're probably the only human alive that will pick that but yeah I went seventeen fourteen I don't even see four touchdowns coming from this game I see three coming from defense but I also could be relying on a Bears touchdown missed extra point two field goals <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's great. Cause the, and I don't think anyone in their right mind would pick Chicago to win any special teams battles with any team in the NFL. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to Sunday night game. The Eagles are at the Falcons. The Eagles are two-point favorites. You know, everyone knows I picked out Falcons to win the South. I'm not getting off them this week. I'm really not. They're at home in that dome. It's a different team. Yet the Eagles are started out as one-point one favorites, and they've been getting jacked up to two-point favorites throughout the week. And they have an O-line, D-line advantage over Atlanta's fr front. No Chris Lindstrom for Atlanta. But I just can't get over how bad Philly's secondary looked last week against Keenum and Washington. They're going to get – Julio is – when we do DraftKings this weekend, Noah, Julio will be the first name on that sheet. I legit think he's going to get 200 yards. I think very easily. And on the flip side of things – Philadelphia has Deshaun Jackson and Miles Sanders on turf. 
which is deadly in its own right. The Zach Ertz versus Keanu Neal, Deion Jones is a great matchup. But Philly, we all Atlanta gets killed in by pass catching running backs. So I expect Sproles, Darren Sproles still playing, and Miles Sanders to have some solid days. But there's too much. It's our running back by committee approach makes it difficult to trust any of them in terms of fantasy. But I think it's going to be a fun game. And I'm not ready to jump off of the Atlanta bandwagon. This is just, this is like my Pittsburgh pick, where I clearly, if this was a neutral field, I'm picking Philly and Seattle in a heartbeat. But a home game where these teams are very good and very solid, I'm going to trust them one more time. I'm just going to roll the dice to them. And if they lose this game, then, hey, you know what? You heard it here first. I'm out on them. I'm not picking them against any solid teams anymore. I think last week got off to the Atlanta got off to a horrendous start. Went three and out. Then they got their punt blocked. They're better, or at least I think so, than what they showed in Minnesota. And I think for once we see a receiver literally win a game. I see Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones going crazy, and I see Julio winning the game for Atlanta 31-30. to Atlanta 41-30? Atlanta 31-31-31. 31-30? Yes. That's bold. Because this Atlanta team needs the win to give them hopes going into the rest of the season. But this Eagles team is so good. It matches up so much better with this Falcons team. I don't know, man. I can't. I'm, just, I'm just rolling with Atlanta. I don't. It's, it's the same thing with the Pittsburgh thing. Neutral field, I'd roll with them. But I just got to tr- – sometimes you just – I just personally have to double down on veteran quarterbacks, so I've seen do it time and time again, especially in the circumstances of at-home, backs-against-the-wall type game. I know Julio is going to have a huge game. Hmm. Dirk Cutter going into his second game calling plays for the Falcons. Can't Don't do let it. me convince you. I know. Yeah. 28-27 Eagles. Oh, you like you like a cover, though, from Atlanta. I respect that. Yeah, because yeah, Julio's going to be too big. All right. Let's move on to the final game of the weekend, which completely lost all of its appeal from both sides of the equation. Cleveland Browns are six-and-a-half-point favorites at the New York Jets. They were already two-point favorites at the Jets. Now they're six-and-a-half-point favorites because Sam Darnold has mono, which means Trevor Simeon's playing. And I think Trevor Simeon, Trevor Simeon is not the worst. Is a pretty okay backup in the NFL. I just think that the Browns are like, you know what? We got embarrassed. Now we have to do some embarrassing ourselves. I think the headlines are being stolen by Greg Williams and how he had a dirty hit on a preseason Vodell last year and just his versus old team. He is going to do nothing but blitz seven, five, six, eight, nine, everyone on every single play because he knows Cleveland's O-line is trash and he plays already plays an aggressive style. The counteract to that is I see Nick Chubb getting a heavy workload. I see Odell getting a lot of slants, Odell embracing playing back in New York again. And I see Freddie Kitchens and Munkin and Baker working on something where the ball's out of his hands quickly and they get some no huddle going. I don't I think I just changed my score on my own thing. It's just quite simple. I don't think the Jets are Tennessee's dynamic front seven. And the Browns are not going to lose to Trevor Simeon and Mariota in a second of weeks. I have Cleveland 28-13. What are your thoughts on this game? The Bills showed how you can dominate this Jets team. Get pressure on the quarterback and force some of the receivers to make. I mean, just to look in terms of how 
deep and how much this Jets offense is pushing the ball down the field. Jamison Crowder had 14 catches for under 100 yards. <laughs> like they're the, uh, blitz the quarterback and play press coverage. They don't have anyone, I mean, other than on Robbie Anderson, they don't have anyone that's going to be able to burn you deep. And not and probably not a quarterback that's going to be able to get them the ball. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot in Deacon Dunk just trying to get what they can with Le'Veon, can can what they get with Jamison Crowder, and then taking trying to get a shot or two to open it up against Robbie Anderson. But I don't think th- I like the Browns secondary more than what Trevor Simeon and this offense is going to be able to do. And I think this Browns offense bounces back in a big way. It's a great bounce back game for them. Mm-hmm. to come into so i'm gonna take browns 31 jets 20 yeah i went 28 13 i think cleveland's defense has a big game and you know that's our slate of the week that's that's our week two slate um we did it we did a lot more condensed than last week i think this was a good pod a lot of information and yeah it was just a Good Thursday night game to set the table for this week, too. There's a lot of intriguing games. Some duds, but that happens all the time. And it's only week two, guys. So we're um, we're moving along here. Uh, this is going to be emailed out in the ordinary blog. I'm picking it up twice a week where it's happening. I'm dusting off the cobwebs right about football. So we're doing that. Noah will have maybe an announcement on a college football pod next week. Yeah, we're we're working on some time. Uh, I'm East Coast, and my bulk of my days are taken up, and so we can't. It's not really feasible to record at three thirty, four o'clock Mountain Standard Time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just working on some scheduling conflicts right now. And I'm sure those will be worked out. If not, no, I'm no, you. You will get to pick Noah's mind in college football very very quickly, and hear his thoughts on how Nebraska blew a lead to Colorado. Good Lord, I know. Oh, uh, man. Um, but, yeah, Special Noah. teams. <laughs> Noah, will, go ahead. Go ahead. I go will ahead. say this. I, I, I've come <laughs> to realize I, this is not me defending my Huskers. It is what it is. Um, and, honestly, I'm not – I was sad about it, but I'm so used to the heartbreak. Like, the scar tissue's there. Like, it's okay. Uh, I'll Maybe I should have led this off with the pod. I'll probably bring it up a couple more times. The punt – has been become one of my favorite plays in football. <laughs> it changes the, the way the entire game goes. Like last week, we had a couple blocked punts, not taken to the house, but like made the punts being from 60 net yards to 20 net yards. And it completely flips field position, completely flips how the offense is going to call plays, completely flips the mojo of the defense. It, it, and we saw like with the Packers and J.K. Scott, he boomed and pinned the... Sh- pin the Chicago so deep so a little mini tangent but I'm a big fan of the punt big shout fan. out to, shout out to the special teamers the long snappers you you long snappers all were number you guys all were number 47 too it's really weird um but all right that's gonna do it for us in our week two preview pod episode 36 or 7 don't even know we're rolling through these right now we could get to it's we're gonna be yeah, we're getting a lot done, especially when we get to NBA and college. It's gonna be a lot of things. We'll try to give, we'll try to get these out on Thursday. Although I kind of like the Friday one because we get to recap football and then talk football instead of having a five ten minute preview and then that preview is null and void the next morning. But we'll figure out Thursday Friday schedule whatever works for both of us, whatever you guys like. But um, 
Follow us on I'm on Instagram again. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Noah Hemer at Michael Duggar thirty three M Duggar thirty three at Nornary Pod. Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud at Nornary Pod. Like subscriptions, all that fun stuff. We're a organic following. That's what we're trying to build, and I think we're doing a good job doing it. And be on be on the lookout for some potential Radio St. Pete stuff, which is a big thing. We'll we'll talk about that later if if anything comes about from that, but. Noah, thanks for hopping on, man. I had a good time. Yeah, always excited to see how these games play out this weekend. All right, everyone, enjoy the weekend. It's the it's the second weekend, third weekend of college football, second weekend of NFL. It's it's a it's in full swing, baby. Falls around the corner, which is no, which means it doesn't really affect us in Florida, but it's, it just knows it's around the corner. But all right, from Noah Hemer, I'm Michael Duggar. Thank you guys for checking us out.